0: Hey, Hill City. My name is DeAndra and I'm a part of the team here. We are so glad you're online with us this morning. We want you to know that Hill City is a safe place for you to get to know Jesus. So if you are curious and have doubts, questions or fears, we would be so honored to talk with you through them. We want to know who you are, check in with you and see how you're doing. You can fill out a connection card on our website to help get you connected with people. Today, we've got a few songs and then the next message in our sermon series. Thanks so much for being here. We can see that wonders are still what you do We are here Your love, your love for me, sin cast away from west to east. Oh, God, your grace for me, it never ends. So I praise you, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you, Lord. I praise You, I praise You, I praise You, Lord. I praise You, I praise You, I praise You, Lord. I never wanna go back. There's something better. It gives me hope that will last. It lasts forever. I leave my guilt in the past, and now my future is in the cross, in the cross, and I don't wanna go back. It's I praise You, I praise You, I praise You, Lord. I praise You, I praise You, I praise You, Lord. I never wanna go back. There's something better. It gives me hope that will last. It lasts forever. I leave my guilt in the past, and now my future. the cross, and I don't want to go back, it's in the cross, in the cross, and I don't
1: I'm part of this Hill City team here and just so grateful uh, you decided to spend a portion of your Sunday here with us. And um, we'd love to get to to know you and answer any questions that you might have. Um, So on your way out, um, there's an info bar there um, where some folks are hanging out and can answer any questions that you have. You might be wondering, do we always have a hot tub in our church? And yes, we do. No, this is, um, we're going to be doing some baptisms actually in the second service. Um, today, that's all we could do. They couldn't do the first one. So we're doing them in the second uh, service today and celebrating people's decision to follow Jesus, and which is, like, really exciting. Yes, absolutely. And we're um, really excited about that. We're going to have at least one more next week, too. So if, um, let me just say this. If you do want to get baptized, um, it's going to be available next week as well. So if you've never been baptized and uh, you've made a commitment to follow Jesus and you want to make a public declaration of that, we would love to baptize you. And, um, and if you want to, um, you can email um, just info at hillcityrva.com, info at hillcityrva.com, and uh, we'd love to dunk you. It would be our pleasure. And so, um, you know, this week's baptisms, we're kicking off a new series, and the next week is our birthday celebration. Um, and so if you've never been here for one of our birthdays, um, that's how we know if you're one of our people, um, honestly. So um, we, just, uh, we just love to celebrate really well, and we have a good time. And so we have a lot planned for uh, next week, and really excited about celebrating seven years of what God's been doing uh, here in this community. So um, we're in this new series called Built the Last. Um, can you imagine a time where um, there was political unrest, um, a massive pandemic, uh, racial issues, um, violent tolerance, and what I mean by that is if you don't, like, specifically agree with people, like, they violently come against you. Um, Can you imagine a time like that? Isn't that crazy? Um, Here's what's interesting. I'm also describing first century Rome, okay, and when the church first started out, this is, this is what I want us to, like, in this entire series, this is really what it's going to be about, is um, understanding, like, why we do this, Why does this matter? Like, what is it? Is it such a big deal to gather together as people? And why does the church actually matter? You see, when it started, it started in the midst of incredible political unrest. It started in the midst of um, really uh, a couple of significant pandemics. Actually, one of them killed over 25% of the Roman Empire. All right. So um, there's a massive pandemic. Uh, they, had, um, they had this something called like, exclusive inclusivity, um, which was essentially you had to let everyone believe what they needed to believe and wanted to believe. But you could not make like a definitive statement on something. So like you, you could believe Jesus is Lord, but you couldn't make a definitive statement that Jesus was Lord. Um, And if you did, they violently came against you. Like, we think cancel culture is, like, new. It's not. Like, it was, like, in first century, like, they were doing, they would just kill you. Like, literally. And so, um, so it's a little different. But it was around there, and that was a reality. Um, Of course, they had caste systems and racial issues and ethnic issues and stuff um, as well. And so, in the midst of all of those things, and, and sometimes we take a step back, and we're like, man, it's, like, so hard to be a Christian. I'm like, this is how it started. Like, this is exactly how it started. Um, even last week, I mentioned this in the second service, but not the first one, but I said, you know, even with this pandemic, in terms of our faith, the pandemic is not a big deal. It, it just isn't. Like, it, it isn't. And, um, but it's interesting that, you know, throughout the pandemic, on average, on average, churches lost about 50% of their people. And, um, and I mean, like, lost, like disconnected from their faith, disconnected from everything, like just like gone from the church in and of itself. And so one pandemic, it's a big deal in terms of society, of course, but in terms of our faith, it's like, no, no, no our, we were built for this. Like literally our faith in Jesus is like built for pandemics. Like in, what, in the early church and how it, just, how it responded to pandemics, it was like Man, they went in on it. It was like this incredible time to be a follower of Jesus because it offered hope in the midst of so, so much unrest and so much violence and so much death and so much wondering, like, why in the world, you know, all this suffering and pain, like, what are people looking to? It's like, man, one of the greatest times to be actually a Christian is, is right now. And what an, what an incredible opportunity. And I was even thinking about how, um, you know, right now, like, the rates of anxiety, uh, depression, uh, loneliness, suicide, there's uh, The lack of volunteerism is like going off the charts in in our country. And all those things mean is like what the world has to offer doesn't work. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. Yet, they're not turning to the church and wondering if that does. And I wonder if that's because we don't understand maybe what the church is supposed to be. That we don't fully understand like the weight of all of this. Um, have you ever, like, looked at something and thought to yourself, I could pick that up, and then you go to pick it up, and you're like, nope, I can't, right? Like, you, like, you feel the, the weight of something. Um, my brother would say that when I was a little kid, um, I was just like, I was like, I was 10 and 5 pounds when I was born, and I was just like a little bowling ball. And, um, and so, well, my brother said, like, you would feel it if I ran into you just as, like, a little kid, you know? And, um, but, like, if someone picked me up, they're like, oh, what, like, for such a small little kid, like, you're just like, tight, right? Like there's something like, like in there. And so, and so like there's just that reality that sometimes like, like, like man, you don't understand it to like you feel the weight of something. And that's what I want us to do today. I, I, the next two weeks in particular, I know this series is going to be about eight weeks long, but but in the next two weeks in particular, I want us to like feel the weight of what it means to be in the church. To like feel the weight of all of this because it's so important, like to just like feel like why is this a thing? Why is this such a big deal? So here's the main idea for today, that the church is the gathering of people for a purpose. This purpose will outlast any trend, ideology, or any man-made stru- construct. But do we know why? That's what I'm going to concentrate on today. But do we actually know why? Um, we have deep issues right now that are trying to be answered with superficial answers, right? And so it's like, whatever's trendy, like, we'll just do that. Um, it, trends are kind of, I mean, trends come and go, right? Right now, like, 90s fashion is back. And it's like, y'all have seen the pictures before, right? Like, that's like a thing. But like, but like and so trends come and go, but we we, we like answer the, these these like deep questions of like, pain and suffering and how to make things better. with like very superficial answers. Yet, the church offers something deep. The church offers something or should be offering something that when people like, ah, you guys get it, but we're missing it. And that's what I really want to tap into um, today. So um, we're going to be in the book of Acts. Um, this book is, so you have 66 books in your Bible and you have when, in the start of the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are called the Gospels. And then... It's this book called Acts. And some of your Bibles might say it's like the Acts of the Apostles or something like that. Um, But really what we're seeing is is the Acts of Jesus manifested by the Spirit through people. And um, and that's what we're actually seeing in in the book of Acts. It's the start of the early church. Um, It's the start of everything in Christianity after Jesus has has died and he's risen again. This guy named Luke writes Acts. He also wrote Luke. And so I'm going to take a look at two passages in Acts chapter 1 and then a short one in Acts chapter 2. Starts with this. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about, the former book is Luke, "um, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, right? So this is going to be important. To the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was what? Alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about, look at this, the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was doing what? Eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my let me put that. Gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the what? Holy Spirit. So Luke keeps bringing up this whole spirit thing a lot. He says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now this is important in this, this part. And I want to pause here for a second because they're not, this isn't, sometimes people be like, man, why don't they get it yet? They don't get it Like. That's not what the disciples are doing. You see, what the disciples know is that in the history of the people of Israel was this reality that this Messiah, this Savior was coming back and the restoration of Israel is going to be the restoration of the kingdom of God. And so they're like, is this the time? Is, is, you've been teaching so much and we've been waiting on this and, and we're with you on all of this. Like, is this it? And this is how Jesus responds. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates. The Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive, look at this, power when the what? Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he continues on in the next chapter. And and in Acts chapter 2, he kind of spills over into uh, where Peter's in there and they're in front of just like thousands of people and in this massive gathering. And Peter is talking and he says this. He says, you need to repent and be baptized. And we're doing that today. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Does that sound applicable to today? Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So when people are like, man, you can't have like a big church. I'm like, literally in the first day, it was 3,000 people. So <laughs> I'm all for, listen, let me just say this up front. Big, small, medium, whatever, it's all a good option. All right, what really matters is the heart and what they're going after it. It's because we see all of those things within the context of scripture. So we have this passage here and, and, and Luke is writing this. And he's like, let me just describe to you guys what happened. Like this, there's some significant things about the weight that we should feel when it comes to this church thing. All right, we should just feel like, oh man, this is like, this is like a big deal. This is not to be played with. This is something like very, very significant. So, who is the church about? On the count of three, I just want you to say it, all right? And if you're thinking is it this, it probably is. All right? (laughs) Who's the church about? One, two, three. Good job, you guys. I'm going to add a little something to that, though. Because this part is important. The resurrected Jesus. You see, we could have made it about a person. He could have just made it about what Jesus taught. Could have made centered around like this kind of like idea of Jesus. But the resurrected part is what's really important. The resurrected part is like he was dead and now he's not anymore. The resurrected part means all those things that he taught... He came back to show that all those things that he taught are actually real. The resurrected part means that, you know, when he said, like, the kingdom of God is like, then he means, like, then we should listen to what the kingdom of God is like. And it goes back to all of that. The resurrected part is critical to the church. So when we say, like, who is the church about? It's like, it's about the risen or the resurrected Jesus. Because, like, if we just said it's about Jesus, which is fine, and we all understand what we're saying there. But we're saying, no, no, to the resurrected Jesus. What do you mean resurrected? Oh, the guy who got put up on a cross and died and said, duh, I'm not interested in that and came back again because I am more powerful than death, more powerful than sin, more powerful than anything else you can possibly imagine, any pain or suffering or whatever you may go through. He's more powerful than all of it. And because of the resurrected Jesus, that's why we can do this. And that's what it becomes about. Because if it was just about like, human Jesus, it's like, I mean, it was cool. Like, his teachings were really good. and, and But but the resurrected Jesus, that's different. That begins to change everything. And, and you saw how, you know, how Luke's writing, and he's like, hey, um, he appeared. Like, did you see the language he kept using? He's like, he appeared to us. He was eating with us. Um, he was here for 40 days. He taught. And it's like, the Bible does this a couple of different uh, occasions where in 1 Corinthians even, his, Paul writes, like, he appeared to over 500 people. And if you don't believe me, they're still alive, most of them. So just go and ask them. And so he's like, he's not saying that, like, this idea that, like, oh, maybe he rose again. Luke's like, no, 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 we were eating fish with him. He was, like, grilling it up, right? Like, we, 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 we were eating with him, and this is what he said. And it changes everything. It's like we, he was dead and then he's not. And so that's why we gather and that's why we do this. And, and that's why all of a sudden you start like, ah, there's a little more weight to this. For those guys there, when they said, oh, because Jesus is Lord, they were like, I'm also going to die for saying that. And so it, it became this like, ah, hold on, now I'm starting to feel the weight. So when they gathered, it wasn't just like, Oh, it's Sunday. We'll just get together. It's like I, I might come. I might not. Come. I don't know. It's, it's, no. When they were like, whoa, "Whoa, we get to do this again," we're gonna read next week that they actually did it daily. But like, man, they were just so devoted to one another. W- why? Why? Because of the risen, resurrected Jesus. He was dead, and then he wasn't. It changes everything. Then all of a sudden, you start feeling the weight of it. I wrote it this way. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, culture doesn't determine the steps of the church or what it means to be a Christian. Jesus does. I'm like, uh, I'll choose my words carefully. I'm over, like, hearing culture dictate what the church can and can't do. I'm over watching Christians cower to culture. I'm over, like, watching Christians support things, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you liking that? Or why are you reposting that? Or why are you commenting on that? Like, that, that's so far from what Jesus taught. And it's like bowing down to the culture in front of us. Culture does not dictate who the church is, or what Christianity is, or what Jesus taught. Jesus does. This is why we always go back to Jesus. This is why the insanity with all the political stuff and churches being lumped into candidates or certain sides or like sexuality stuff or violence stuff or abortion stuff or, again, pick a cultural topic right now. I'm like, what? Who is Jesus in it? Who is the resurrected Jesus in it? Because that's what we do. That's who we follow. That's what this is about. It changes Everything when Peter steps in and he goes, he's like, hey y'all, can you imagine Peter get up? He's like, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Because he's looking out and he's like, this doesn't end well. It just doesn't. And look, that's what I'm saying. Like, take a step back when we're like anxiety is off the charts, depression, suicide, all these different things. Like, it's like off the charts. Like relationships are are wild. Like it's it's we're living a wild time right now. You know why? Because it doesn't work. How many of you guys have felt burned out from work? That's okay, just raise your hand. It doesn't work. The, the idea, the pace that is set before us about what it's supposed to mean to find your purpose and to find, like, to make all this money, and do it, like, it doesn't work. And so Peter's like, save yourself from it. And you know how you save yourself from, like, a meaningless life? Who do you go to? The resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus and what he taught. So the, so the resurrected Jesus, you know what he would say to us about being burned out? You know what you need to do? Solitude and silence and prayer and get your, get your time together. That's the way I taught you. I told you not to live by the standards of this world, right? He would go, it's like, this is what we do. The resurrected Jesus, it changes everything. And it feeds into this idea that like, oh, hold on a second. Then the church, here's the weight. The, the church then becomes like this representation of the kingdom of God that Jesus taught about. It changes everything. Experiencing the kingdom of God is about being saved from a meaningless life. So when people like, encounter, again, this is the wait, when people encounter the church, they should say, oh, I've been missing that purpose. Oh, that's what the kingdom of God is like? Oh, wait, hold on a second. That is so far outside of anything I know and understand about my faith or about my life. Like I, that's so far outside of like what I see in culture. It's it's so different. It's so different. Like that's what the church begins to offer. Why? Because of the resurrected Jesus. How about this one? Who empowers the church? I circled that a few times. I count three. Ready? One, two, three. I'm a little muddled. <laughs> starts with an H for the first word, and the second word starts with an S. Ready? One, two, three. Good job. The Holy Spirit empowers the church. All right? The Holy Spirit empowers the church. Now, this Spirit, the Spirit of God is, is the presence of God. We begin to see and experience the presence of God of God, that the the Spirit will always lead us back to the risen, resurrected Jesus. Guess what? The Spirit isn't moving if you're not going back to Jesus. When someone's like, man, the Spirit was moving today, it's like, not if it wasn't pointing back to Jesus. And so when the Spirit's moving, it will always point back to Jesus. If you're ever in a scenario and you're like, man, I hear someone talking, but it doesn't feel right (laughs) But some of these other Christians really like, seem to like, like this person a lot. Ask yourself this, is it pointing back to Jesus? If it isn't, guess who isn't there? The Spirit. When it ends up happening, That means like, something man-made is going to point you somewhere else. It's going to point you somewhere outside of Jesus. The Spirit begins to move in such a way. We actually see it first in Genesis chapter 3. Where the spirit begins to move and um, it says it's hovering over the waters in creation. I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1. And hovering over the waters at creation. And all that's saying is like, man, when the spirit is moving, it's like heaven and earth meeting. It's like this connection to heaven and earth. When Jesus prayed uh, on earth as it is in heaven, do you know why he prayed that? Because the spirit was going to move. And that when the spirit moves, people are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, this connection between on earth as it is in heaven starts to be shown through the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's empowered by the Spirit. And the Spirit begins to move in us in this magnificent way. And it's like, when the Spirit's moving, guess what? People notice the difference. There's something so attractive about it. Why? Because when the Spirit begins to move, it's like, ooh, I need some of that. Like, oh, that feels different, right? The Spirit moves us in this different direction a healthy church becomes a witness to the teachings of a resurrected Jesus and is empowered by the Spirit of God. So when we're around, if you want to be around like a healthy church, it's like they're always going to point back to Jesus. The people in the community want to point back to Jesus. Why? Because they're empowered by the Spirit of God. This is why this isn't a hobby, right? Let me just let you off the hook. Church is a horrible habit. It's a horrible hobby, like... You you end up feeling like guilty about stuff, and like then you just kind of you want to come, but you don't want to come, and it just feels weird. And so like it's it's like not a hobby. It's it's not a habit. It's not. And it's like like you can like get way better hobbies. You could. But when it's empowered by the Spirit, it begins to change everything. Look, Look, this this guy named Ignatius, before said it this way. He says, without the Holy Spirit, God is distant. Christ is merely a historical figure. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is merely an organization. Authority is domination. Mission is propaganda. Worship is an evocation. And Christian action is slave labor. But with the Holy Spirit, the risen Christ is here. The gospel is a life-giving force. The church means communion with the Trinity. Authority is a liberating service. Mission is like the Pentecost, which is what we we're just reading about. The liturgy is both commemoration and anticipation, and human action becomes more godlike. Something about that spirit that changes everything. There's something about all of a sudden you're like, whoa. There's some more weight to this. It's like the empowered, like movement of the spirit. of God. This isn't a, something different about all of this. I thought I wrote down this week, one of the greatest sins of the Western Christianity is to treat something empowered by the spirit of God as optional or only engage when it's convenient. I'm not telling you to have perfect attendance at church. Life happens. Things, I'm not saying that. But I am telling you you should prioritize it. Why? Because of the Spirit of God is moving in it. There's this weight that's attached to it. There's this weight to being in community with other people. There's this, this weight that's there. It's like, oh man, this is just is just different. It's different. I, I feel the weight of what it means to be in church. I feel the weight of what it means to be in community with other people. And this is just like one version of it, y'all. Like, like Sunday mornings are, are significant, but like, you know, discipleship is a big deal. Like all the things. Like connected in community with a grouping of people is so important. It's like you feel the weight of what this begins to mean. So if you want to check out church for a little bit, do it. Seriously, like, I, have, I understand that, like, there's been a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, a lot of abuse, a lot of, like, so many different things in the church context that, that, like, people are just like, I don't know, I haven't been in a long time and I just want to be a fly on the wall for a little bit. Do that. You totally should. You totally can. But don't do it for long. Don't do it for long. Like, commit to being in a community. Commit to being a place. Commit to being there. Um... Commit to a place that you want to be called home. Like, I hope it's here. I do. I hope that for everybody. But like, hang out for a little bit. Make sure you're good. But then commit to being there. Like, why? Because there's this weight that goes with this. That's like really important because it's sacred. Even this morning when we were praying through um, the service and I was praying about, like, everything. And, and we just and we got a text, like, right before the service started that um, someone just dear to us as part of our church community passed away last night. And, um, and I was just thinking, like, and this is someone, like, they love coming to church. Um, his wife, Johnny, is, is actually, like, watching online right now. And she texted me this morning. I'm going to be watching and, and everything. And, and I was like, gosh, the sacredness of this community is just massive. The sacredness of being connected with one another is is massive. I was just like praying. I was like, God, would you, would people feel the weight of the sacredness of all of this? It's not just like pop in and out. It's like, no. It's empowered by the spirit of God. It changes things. Changes things. What about this? What's the purpose of the church? Do you remember what he said? He said something. There were going to be something into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Do you remember what he said they were going to be? On the count of three for those of you that, no, one, two, three. Witnesses, witnesses. good. Witnesses. They were witnesses. To who? The resurrected Jesus. Empowered by who? The Spirit of God. That's the church. That the church... Becomes the witness to the resurrected Jesus through the Spirit of God. We don't witness to anything else. If the church becomes a witness to anything else but the resurrected Jesus, guess what? They are not empowered by the Spirit of God, they are not about the kingdom of God, and they are not the church that Jesus said was supposed to be established. And it's like, no, no, no. Ooh, this is sacred we witnesses to the resurrected Jesus empowered by the Spirit of God. When you go outside that little circle of like the resurrected Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in the church, when you're outside of that, you're outside of the presence of God. You're outside of it, of what God designed this thing to be. Listen, the church is not a man-made idea. It was Jesus' idea empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you feel the, the weight of all this that comes in. And this is why community is important. Listen, um, I would love when you pick up your Bibles to just start reading. And whenever you see the word you, just say in your brain, hey, this actually typically means you all or y'all or you guys. All right? Like it just, we read like and treat Jesus and we treat the Bible as like this individualistic thing. It is such a Western thing to do. But really primarily the entire thing is written to like, hey, you guys, blessed are you guys who do this. Ble- Why is he doing that? Because like it's community, it's the church, it's the grouping of people together. Can you be a witness to Jesus by yourself? Yes. But you notice he doesn't, he doesn't say like, you're a witness. You're, he goes, my witnesses together. That becomes a critical piece of saying, like, you've got to be together. You have to want to be, listen, is your personal salvation important? Of course it's important. But guess what? Even in scripture, it doesn't highlight the personal salvation part. It just doesn't. It highlights together. It highlights the salvation together. It highlights all that. Is it a piece of the puzzle? Of course it is. But it highlights, man, together we are witnesses. And this is why. You can't fully experience Jesus by ourselves. You can't do it. Even people that join a monastery and go out into the woods, or to the desert is where it originally started back in the um, third and fourth century. Like, when they did that, they still did it together. You can't do it by yourself. You can't fully experience it by yourself. Every little piece of someone else experiencing the spirit of God, it's like, oh man, I want a piece of that. And it helps you grow. It does something different inside of us. Here's the last thing I want us to, to highlight. Why does the church matter? I want you to feel this. It's the weight of the story. So what I've been trying to like put in front of us is like to understand why it's like, man, communally the church is so important. It is. Individually the church is so important. It is. Um, to the community around us, right? In society and culture, it's super important. But we're also, the church is also so important because it's part of a cosmic story. Have you ever thought about that? Again, it, it just adds some weight. It's, it's part of a cosmic story story. Not just sometimes we're like, oh, just here's my little church experience. It's like, no, 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 hold on a second. It's part of a cosmic story of humanity. That's why it's so sacred. I drew it out like this. Let's, let's see if we can do this the right way, but I want you guys to see this part. So we have creation, heaven, and earth, and God, humanity, like that's at the beginning of this story of all humanity. It's like, man, the presence of God is there. This, this heaven and earth thing. It's like, are they are in unison? Like God's creating and all this other stuff. And then you got the end of the story in scripture where it's like, again, we go back to this. We go back to this new heavens, this created new heavens, new earth, right? We go back to this ultimate heaven and earth connection and, and then we got the presence of God. But in the midst of all this stuff is just fascinating to me. Right around here, something comes into play. Sin, right? In Genesis chapter 3, um, sin comes into play. And when sin comes into play, it, it breaks up this communion that we had. It breaks it up. It, there's something, like, it's, it's missing. And um, we step into this and, and God does something, like, super significant. In the midst of the choices on sin breaking it, it's like, man, you, you've broken this com- communal thing that we had going on with heaven and earth and everything and, and the beauty of this. And, and, and he's like, but I'm going to step into this. And I'm going to take care of this sin. And so he actually clothes Adam and Eve as part of the story. That's part of his grace and taking care of sin and shame. But then he does something else. Look what he says in Genesis chapter 3. He says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Meaning there's always going to be division, there's always going to be hatred, there's always going to be chaos. In evil. They'll never be ordered. It'll always be disordered. It'll always be disordered. And, and that's how you know. When things are disordered and chaotic and everything, that's how you know it's evil. He says, he will crush your head. Mm. And you will strike his heel. It's like something's going to crush the head of evil. Who's that going to be? You're right. Just say it. Yes, we'll crush the head of the enemy, right? So we go back. So sin comes into play here. Now, after sin comes these people of Israel, all right? The people of Israel, they are excited because they are God's people. They're God's people, and, and God's people are, are significant. They're, they're, they're connected to Him. And, and part of the story is, man, God's chosen people are coming in to give people a different look at what sin is, but also point people back to creation. So God's people are like, no, 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 we're going to model. Remember, he gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the law. He gives them all this stuff. He's like, we're going to model what it looks like, how to be holy and not sinful because of this incredible God. And then point you back to the reordering that the way it should be back in creation. He's like, it's all disordered right now, but the way that we live will point us all the way back. And then they had this hope, Israel did, of this eventual Messiah and the new heavens and this new earth. So this is like this interesting story. Then after that comes this guy named Jesus, right? So Jesus comes in, and what does he do? He forgives sin. He restores the creative order, and then he points of what a hope of the eternal future is, okay? So we've got this. This is a massive story. And then this is fascinating to me. After this, Jesus says, you know what I'm going to do to pull this out? You guys are going to be the church. And here's what the church is going to do. It's going to point back to me on the cross, point back to the forgiveness of sin, point back to reordering, but also give you hope of the future. So all of a sudden the church on this timeline of of cosmic reality of humanity takes on this whole different view. And do you remember what it said in that Genesis 3 passage that we would read? It said that he's going to do what? He's going to do what to the head? Crush it. Look what it says here in Romans 16. The God of peace will soon what? Satan under what? Whose feet? The church. So all of a sudden the church is like, we're supposed to be the people who show Jesus, who Jesus is, the resurrected Jesus, empowered by the spirit. And when the church acts like that, guess what happens to evil around it? Crushed. Crushed. There's some weight to what we do. There's some weight to the church. There's some weight to all of this. So I put it in these terms. The church speaks to the story of humanity by repping Jesus, communally dealing with sin, stomping out evil, embodying the presence of God, and giving hope for the future. Band, you guys can come back up. We need to feel the weight of this. Again, if you're just like popping in all this, you're like, man, this is intense. Um, Honestly, like if you're just checking church out today, I'm glad you came here on a day like this. Because I want you to feel it. I want you to feel the intensity of what this means and why it's so important. And maybe, again, we're going to take a minute here just to be in silence, but maybe you've just been in a space where you're just like, man, I haven't taken this seriously. Even if like... Even those that are watching online right now, it's just like, I kind of come in and out and I'm kind of disconnected, I'm not really serious about it. And it's like, I've missed out on the weight of this. I've missed out on the sacredness of this. I've missed out on what it means to like, to really want to be connected and serve and be a part of the community and really make a difference. Can you name anything else that has this responsibility to stomp out evil? can't. is a God-ordained thing that His people and His church, when it points to a resurrected Jesus empowered by the Spirit of God, the community around it feels the church stomping out the evil. That's what I want us to push towards. I've been excited about this series all week because I'm like, I knew it was going to be tense, I knew it was going to be a little more, and all that stuff, but I'm like, I just want, I want everyone to feel it. And it's like, this is who we want to be. It's who we want to be. We've done a a pretty good job in our first seven years. But I feel like God's like pushing us to even more. It's who we want to be. And he wants to see whose people want to be in on it or not. So we're going to give you guys just a minute just to take all this stuff in. And then we're going to sing one last um, song here together. So why don't we go ahead and just see what God's speaking to our hearts.
0: Thanks so much for watching with us this morning. There are a lot of really important things happening in your community that we want you to be a part of, like summer events, community groups are picking up, discipleship, we got a birthday party, influencers, oh my. If you are out there and have questions, prayer needs, or want more information on anything that I just mentioned, hop on over to our website so you can stay in the loop. See you next week.